Hello and welcome to the next in our series of podcasts from Together for Families, part of Cornwall Council. As always, if you like listening to this, please hit that subscribe button and follow us for more parenting hints and tips, along with loads of other great information regarding bringing up children here in Cornwall. So on this episode, we explore why sleep is important for teenagers. We also talk about adoption with the author Molly Ashton. But first, have your children and young people settled back into a routine for school or college? No matter how old they are, a bedtime routine can be vitally important, especially for the younger ones. Nina explains more. Did you know that every child is different? So there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to finding a bedtime routine that suits you and your child. However, it may take a bit of trial and error to get it right. Struggling with your child's bedtime routine is very common and you are not alone. So, what is a bedtime routine, you may ask? A bedtime routine is what we do to help our bodies prepare for sleep, and it should be the same every night. For most children, it starts anywhere between 90 minutes to 30 minutes before it's time to go to sleep. Consistency is key for our children to know what to expect of them, and for them to feel happy and safe. Bedtime routines don't need to be complicated. They usually include something like bath, teeth, pyjamas, books, snuggle time and then time to sleep. There are a few tips to help find a bedtime routine that works for you. 1. Take up time before you begin the bedtime routine. This simply means that we give our children warnings so they know the bedtime routine is starting soon and can prepare and finish off what they are doing. Let them know when it is 15 minutes before the bedtime routine starts, then give them another warning at 10 minutes and then again at 5 minutes asking them to finish up what they are doing. Then at the planned time simply say, bedtime routine is starting now. Try not to engage in a power struggle. 2. Think about the timing. It's important that we link bedtime up with when our children are most likely to have high levels of the hormone that helps us get to sleep, melatonin. For most children, melatonin levels are highest between the hours of 6.30pm and 8pm. Therefore, anywhere between these times are generally considered to be the peak window of opportunity for your children to fall asleep more easily. If they are still awake past 8pm, their body's stress hormone, cortisol, may start to rise, leading to all of the behaviour we generally see when our children are overtired. If this happens, the time it takes for them to go to sleep could increase from around 20 minutes upwards. Help your children feel sleepy at bedtime. This can be done by closing all the blinds and curtains just before you start the bedtime routine and only using minimal lighting that is dim and a warm yellow instead of bright white. You could also add a children's body wash or bubble bath that contains natural lavender essential oil to your child's bath as lavender can have a calming effect. Another tip is to avoid giving your children foods that contain a lot of sugar or artificial sweeteners at night, as some studies have linked these with hyperactivity. If your child says they are hungry whilst in the bedtime routine, maybe offer something containing oats. 
Oats are extremely nourishing and soothing for the nervous system and can help promote sleep when eaten in the evening. A glass of water next to the bed can also be helpful. And last but not least, avoid letting your children look at screens, including TVs, iPhones, tablets and computers after the bedtime routine starts. This is because the bright blue-white light on screens is linked to lower melatonin levels, which may cause your child to miss their tired cues. 4. Incorporate special one-on-one time in the bedtime routine. Sometimes there can be a bit of separation anxiety around bedtime with our little ones and helping your children feel extra safe and loved can help encourage them to stay calm around bedtime, setting them up for a good night's sleep. Special time doesn't have to be for long or include anything extravagant. It could just be five or ten minutes of quiet activities, including playing a calming game with bath toys whilst in the bath, singing calming songs or nursery rhymes, or snuggling up and reading books in bed. If your child is feeling anxious about being left alone, provide a nightlight that has a dim yellow light. Reassure your child that you will always be there. Listen to their worries and be understanding. If they are worried about monsters, refrain from saying things like, that's silly. You could say, we all worry about things sometimes, but it's important to remember that the monsters in their storybooks aren't real. You and your child can write their worries down on scrap paper and feed them to the worry teddy or dolls. If they have nightmares, a dream catcher hung in their room can be a comforting aid. 5. Help your children feel calm with relaxation techniques. If you sense your child becoming anxious or upset when it's time to go to sleep, you can help them feel calm by using visualisation and deep breathing strategies. Have a look on YouTube for sleep meditations for your children, which you can play for them when they are in bed. Be mindful that they don't look at the screens as the blue light might keep them awake. You can also help your children bring awareness to their bodies through a muscle relaxation where you encourage them to tense and relax their muscles one at a time, starting with their toes and working up until they reach the top of their heads. Gently tickling or massaging their arms or back can also help them stay calm and encourage them to go to sleep. 6. Be mindful about how much your children are napping during the day. If they are struggling with bedtime, then think about slowly reducing their daytime nap time or, in an age-appropriate way, cutting it out altogether. Also, think about what time of the day they are napping and avoid a nap after 3pm if they are struggling with feeling tired in the evening. So there you have it, some tips on how to create a bedtime routine that works for you and your family. To finish off, I'll leave you with today's gem, which is encouraging your children to avoid screen time at least an hour before going to bed to help their bodies produce enough melatonin to get them off to a good night's sleep. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, good luck and have fun. 
We would also like you to know that children do not come with an instruction book when they are born. If you would like more information about child development, the Early Help Team run a number of free parenting sessions and anyone can come along to learn more when we are back up and running. For more information, please see the Family Information Service website www.supportingcornwall.org.uk Thanks to Nina there. Now, if you have teenagers, do you find their sleep patterns can be a little different? Well, perhaps they're sleeping more or staying in bed for ages. That is perfectly normal, as Andrea explains. Did you know there's a lazy stereotype that teenagers are just, well, lazy? In reality, their bodies and brains need a lot of sleep. Changes during puberty means teenagers' body clocks are different to that of younger children and adults, setting them up to be more alert later in the day. This helps explain why they're often so tired and grumpy in the morning, as the day starts at a time when their bodies should still be sleeping. Teenagers should get around nine hours sleep every night. Unfortunately, today's young people get around seven and a half hours on average. 24-7 access to screens and social media may be having a harmful impact on our teenagers' sleep. Some studies have found that not enough or poor quality of sleep over a long period can cause obesity, stress, hinder learning and concentration and contribute to mental health issues. All the worry from coronavirus recently has meant that lots of people are having trouble sleeping. There are some steps that can improve your sleep, leaving you better able to face the challenges of the day. There's lots of scientific evidence to support what we already know. When we sleep badly the next day, our levels of anxiety are higher, our mood and energy are lower. It becomes much harder to deal with coping through coronavirus if you're not getting enough sleep. Over a longer time, a continuing lack of sleep can affect your whole body, from your mental well-being to your physical health. For young people, poor sleep can be linked to obesity, mental health issues and difficulty learning. There are things you can do to help you get enough quality sleep. Setting healthy bedtime routines is good for the whole family. When we're rested, we're better able to cope with all the practical and emotional demands we're facing at the moment, including from our young people. If the benefits of sleep were sold as a new miracle cure, people would probably pay good money for it. Good sleep can ward off colds, make you more creative, feel less depressed, less anxious and happier, and now more than ever is crucial to get the sleep your body needs. This was a quote from a young person working with myself during the COVID-19 lockdown. She said, it's like a lethargy. Everything blurs together. She felt more than the typical teenage moodiness. It's been anxiety that leads to insomnia. And because I have insomnia, I'm not getting enough sleep, which results in more anxiety. And then you just fall into a slump or it's never ending, she described. She gave a list of symptoms that happened during the COVID lockdown, such as no longer engaging with her friends, having changes in appetite and weight, extreme worry and preoccupation with perfectionism, OCD tendencies and no longer engaging in activities that brought her happiness. Young people say they have experienced loneliness during the pandemic. It's no surprise since they also report spending three quarters of the waking hours on screens for everything from education to entertainment. These are some tips for parents to support their teenagers by day and night. Go to them first and listen. Encourage teenagers to engage with their peers and encourage them to get outside, taking notice of distancing measures at present. Take daily exercise and get some fresh air. Exercise is well known to help sleep. It's beneficial to overall physical and mental health too. 
Encourage them to move their bodies, even if it's as a family activity, going out for walks, bike rides, releasing some of that energy. As much as you can, encourage them to avoid high-fat, sugary foods and caffeine. Give them facts. Poor sleep can contribute to weight gain and low mood. Parents need to connect with their teens. Encourage them to talk about the things that worrying them. Talking is often the most important way we can support each other. Practice good light hygiene. Less well known, but just as important as turning off blue light emitting screens at night. It's getting blue light emitting sunshine during the day. This is critical to enhancing our circadian rhythms. And when we amplify our circadian rhythms, it's basically cueing and synchronising our body with the local environment. Get sunshine wherever they can. Stepping out onto a balcony or doorstep, going for walks or at least sit by the window when they eat their lunch. In the evenings, use lower, warmer light before bed to help signal to their body that sleep time is approaching. Encourage teenagers to do things that will help them relax and wind down at bedtime. Aim for some quiet and calm time before they get into bed. Read a book, have a bath or a warm drink. If they find their mind racing when they get to bed, try writing things down. Turn off screens an hour before bed. You've heard it before, but the blue light emitted by phones, computers, routers, tablets and televisions is bad news at bedtime. Those screens blast blue wave light that suppresses melatonin, the hormone that regulates your sleep-wake activity and makes you tired at night. Make the bedroom just for sleep. Consider the light, the noise, the comfort of their bed. While you're at it, tell them to resist the temptation to watch Netflix in bed. A lot of people have televisions in their rooms, and I think the science says that it's pretty much a non-starter, but this may be difficult to take out a teenager's TV. Stick to consistent sleep and wake times. It's okay to adjust our schedules and use some of the time you might have spent getting ready for work or school to get a bit more sleep, but avoid letting schedules get turned upside down where there's no routine at all. Teens can sleep until 10am, for example, but not until the middle of the afternoon. Tell teenagers not to stare at the clock. If they do wake in the night, resist the temptation to check the time or their phone, which should be kept in another room. Try to get back to sleep, but if that's not working, leave the bed and try some low-key activity like reading, make a hot drink. Return to bed when they start to feel sleepy again. Stream one of countless free exercise routines online or available through exercise apps. Some good smartphone apps to download for teenagers to support sleep, mental health and emotional well-being, a Budify, Calm, Feel Good and Mood Zone. There is a good 478 breathing exercise for teenagers and parents to try. Many sleep experts suggest the 478 breathing exercise to relax you and help you get to sleep. Try this. Number one, breathe out completely through your mouth, making a whoosh sound. Number two, close your mouth and breathe in through your nose while counting to four inside your head. Number three, hold your breath while counting to seven. Number four, then breathe out again through your mouth while counting to eight. Complete this four times and it should help you to fall asleep more easily. Now more than ever, with our teenagers heading back to school, it's better to get them back into a good sleep hygiene routine. Don't forget, if you've been affected by anything we've talked about today, then please visit supportincormel.org.uk where you can find more information. Now, in the UK, there are almost 3,000 children that are in need of an adoptive family, and the number of adoptions in England has fallen by a third in four years.
Earlier this year, a new report revealed that over 4 in 10, that's 45% of adults in the UK, have considered adoption or would consider adoption in the future. But despite this, over 6 in 10, that's 62% of adults surveyed, do not feel they know enough information about the adoption process. And this lack of knowledge may contribute to many people not taking that important first step. In this piece, our fostering and adoption recruitment manager, Chris Knight, speaks to the author, Molly Ashton, about her new book, All About Adoption. We live in the southwest of England um, and we have uh, two children by birth and then two followed by two by adoption. So we live in quite a small community, kind of in the countryside, um, and so we've got a nice, we have got a nice community around us. Um, we adopted quite a long time ago now. So our oldest child is now, young adult is now 19. And he's been very helpful with all the text during lockdown. So that's a bit <laughs> about us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so two and two. So um, two birth siblings and then two adopted. Is that right, Molly? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And I guess um, part of the book is is sort of talking about how you prepared your sons for adopting a sibling so could you perhaps tell us a little bit about that we I think we felt from the very beginning that we were going to be if we were adopting as a family and and actually it was going to have a real impact on their lives and we wanted them to be on board right from the start and so and I, and I do realize different families do this differently but for us we really did feel that we need to be open right from the very start and kind of to to you know to talk about it right from the beginning so um, in those days, because it was quite a long time ago, the process was very long. So in some ways, that was that was difficult because it meant that we kind of had to keep, it was a lot longer than a nine months pregnancy. So we had to kind of just keep updating information, keep talking about it and sometimes just let it go and just wait. But I think these days it's it's much quicker anyway. Um, so, yeah, so we, we t- it's obviously it was, it's age relevant. You, you chat to your children um, as to what they can understand at various at their, their the age that they're at, they're given age, um, but but we talk to them all about you know what 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 is adoption and why children come to be adopted and um, and the kind of the process as we went through it. I think um, we tried also to involve them in practical things as well. So obviously, children don't go to adoption panel. But for adoption panel, we did a. We, I involved them by making a big collage, and we stuck lots of kind of photographs or um, areas of, you know, like swimming pool where we go swimming and the play park and things like that. So, so they felt that they were involved. So when we got the yes at adoption panel, it was very much like, gosh, we did this. You know, mum and dad actually went to it, but actually, you know, you were involved. They really liked your pictures. Um, and then, so that that was good. And then um, when we when we actually. Um, uh, adopted each of the girls, bef- uh, but well, well, sort of before the introductions um, part, we we made each of them a little story, and again we were kind of went round our local area and took pictures. We took pictures of our house and we took pictures of you know the different places around that they might know, um, and we bought each of the girls a little toy and we put the toy in a bit like a Where's Wally kind of thing. We put the toy in the photographs, and so. Um, uh, one of our daughters was probably too young to be able to spot that, but the other one was a bit older. So actually, I think she was able to spot the toy. And we gave those little books to the foster carers and um, and so that they could use those to start preparing our daughters 
for um for their new family um and also it meant that the boys were involved as well so yeah so I, so so those were two practical things we did i think that's wonderful isn't it i mean, i guess you're right the the process is a little shorter these days but um and it is obviously a very personal journey isn't it but at mm. the same time it's so important to involve everybody in that journey it is a family journey isn't it and um mm. we we also i think it's nice that these days um children if it's appropriate, can also be brought along to the training sessions and the information sessions so they can be kept abreast of everything that's happening and be part of that story. Yeah, yeah, and it's really important because it it's involves all of us, doesn't it? So, yes, the book itself, A Kite's Tale. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, who it's aimed at and uh, the age groups, etc.? Roughly, it's kind of um, maybe preschool and reception, year one kind of age, um, either to be read to or to read for themselves. But I, I think it's quite nice to have something that a parent can read to a child because because although I've tried to keep the language quite simple, in fact, the editor changed um, language because he said it was too complex because the, the story is, um, it, there are quite a lot of complex issues in the story, so they wanted to keep the language simple. Um, so, but, so, but because of the concepts that can be quite complex and they need to, something they need to be talked through, um, it, um, it, it's quite good to have a parent read read with them, and they and so it's basically about a, a child, a family who um, who have one little boy, and that little boy uh, is really longing for siblings. Sees uh, his friends having siblings, and he doesn't, and um, and about their journey of adoption. And so I try to go through in as child friendly language as I possibly can the adoption journey within the UK. Um, and and just how that works, you know, um, meeting social workers and the role of um, foster carers and um, and and um, introductions and adoption panel and all the rest of it. Um, and um, yeah, so and I've also tried to do it from a very positive perspective from the child as well, from the child who's coming, who needs a forever home, who's his little sister, um, rather than coming from the perspective of the brokenness of the family. I think a lot of children who are adopted can feel quite a lot of rejection anyway. And so I really wanted to, to have the story from the from the perspective of the family who are longing for a child. So to know right from the very start that although obviously there is brokenness in their history, that actually um, they are very, very much wanted. Um, and I also mentioned, talk, try and just talk a bit about the birth mum as well. So I've tried to talk about some quite big issues, but in a kind of a child friendly way. Fantastic. And I guess the ideal thing about it being a read to me is that it's a together thing, isn't it? And they mm. can ask you questions as you're reading it, but also then take the book away and, and look at it later and, and come back with more questions. So it's mm. uh, very much a sharing thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's got some lovely illustrations, which I can't draw for toffee, so I can't take any credit for them. But there's some really lovely illustrations. Now, you, you mentioned their um, birth mum, birth parents, and mm. it, um, and you'd met with them. And that's sometimes something that does happen, um, although a lot of times it is just letterbox contact. So maybe you could talk mm. a little bit about that. Yeah, as you say, uh, that's just so right, isn't it? It's very, very different. No two family stories are the same. No two families are the same. And then when you mix two different families, a birth family, an adoptive family, you have even even more kind of um, uh, complexities. So so our our story will be very different from anybody else's. But yes, we did we did meet her. We've met her several times actually. Um and um 
I think the 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 sort of the, the last time we met her, I think uh, the social workers have been absolutely brilliant throughout. They've been really fantastic, and and um, they really advise it actually be best just to stick to concentrate on letterbox contact um, from now on, which which has been going really well. And the social workers brilliant and um, and helps with the letterbox contact. Um, we've we've changed. We're just starting now. Our eldest daughter is starting to write letters herself. Um, uh, which which has been a, a, a change. I think that the younger one has quite a few issues with writing, so I think that'll take a, a while longer before she does that. Um, and then, but but I I feel over the years, I mean, it can seem such a it's, it's such a difficult thing, isn't it? But I do feel with Letterbox um, and with a, a lot of we have had a lot of support from the social workers that um, that it's been a very very positive thing and i do feel that we've built up trust over the years and i know that she, uh, the birth mum our, our girl's birth mum has been supported as well for it and and i guess we're we're kind of looking to the day that one day at some stage if it's right that we'll actually be able to do uh, you know our, our daughters will be able to meet face to face with her but we really want that to be um with in a, in a proper way you know with with preparation before for everybody and support afterwards um because obviously it's not just a birth mum it's all of her family as well and you know it's a it's a big deal um because with social media and everything these days i, I wouldn't want i think it'd be far harder to, to 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 meet online behind our backs kind of thing so we're quite again we, we we're quite open with about that and we've discussed it with the social worker and we will just you know year by year we'll wait until it's the right time and that's what we'd like to do um but we'll you know we'll wait and see what encouragement would you like to give to adopters or perhaps what would you like to say to people who are planning to adopt oh gosh well <laughs> um i guess we were there's a couple of bits of advice first of all i suppose which we were given um and uh, they, they were both really they were both really good advice um the i remember the social workers talked about it being parenting plus and and i think that that is so true and anybody who has adopted children i think would identify with that um and i guess if you're pre-adoption and thinking about it what in a way that i can um a sort of an illustration is that uh, I was playing uh, the other day. So our, our, our kids were playing a while ago with some friends, and um, who were also adopted. And a couple of the kids had a bit of an argument, like they do. And my friend, the mum, called them over and said, "You know, well, you know, you need to." She 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 just talked them through it so well. You know, you need to tell your sibling how you're feeling, and then that you need to say sorry. And she kind of she really she really enabled them to be able to express how they felt that the other one heard and. And and then to be able to kind of to, to say sorry and to work out what they're going to do different next time. And, you know, it all took quite a while kind of thing. But she did it so well. And she was, you know, she's developing in her children. You know, she's growing children that are actually going to be able to speak out for themselves and and have a, a yeah, kind of a resilience and um, that will be will stand them firm in life. Um, and I just, I just kind of smiled at her and I said, gosh, you know, that's so good. That's, you know, well done because actually ch children who have a secure attachment right from birth, you don't need that. If it had been our boys, I just would have said, I would have been a bit dismissive. I said, well, just say sorry and go off and play and we'll talk about it later kind of thing. <laughs> don't interrupt me. Um, and, um, 
But actually, you can't do that. You, you need to invest in that time. So it is harder work. Um, and I think we talked about this last time, didn't we, that, that actually when it's not always helpful when parents um, with first children say, oh, yes, my child's just like that. Because actually some of the behaviour may be the same, but an awful lot of it isn't. And it's for different reasons. So um, so it, 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 is, it is harder. It is parenting plus and it is harder work. So I think just to be aware of that, I think that would be the first thing. And I, so, and I guess sort of very much linked in with that is that, um, what I remember the paediatrician saying to us, that actually we do need to look after ourselves. And, and this is a really hard one. And I'm sure most adoptive parents would probably also acknowledge that it's hard because actually very few of us in the position, I think now the way we live these days is that we have kind of extended family around who can you know, take the kids away for you know an afternoon or even an evening or a day or a weekend and and so it's actually quite difficult to get get time with you know if you're if you're parenting with a partner it's I think it's quite difficult to get time just with with your partner um, and I think it's also very difficult to get time just by yourself and because some of our children may have complex emotional behavioral issues as well it might be more difficult to do child swaps that um, you know you might do if, if your, your children were you know securely attached and from birth so I think what I found over the years is I've had to try to find ways that I can incorporate having a bit of time out for myself but actually while I still have the kids with me so it's great if I know you do need some child free time you really really do but actually if if you only have a couple of times a year a big big space you know a couple of times a year actually probably isn't as as good as having something regularly every week that you just know you've got some time by yourself so um just things that i found that work that can work for us and give me a bit of space is when when your children are little if they're old enough to um to have to be safe in the bath put a you know in the afternoon put a load of bubbles in the bath and a load of ikea cups and things pouring and they can spend hours a good hour in the bath and come out looking like little wrinkled prunes but um but that can give you just a bit of time pottering around upstairs by yourself so um i'm chanting to other things we've done going outside we um we do spend quite a lot of time outside and again once they're old enough to be able to play safely at a park or find somewhere go to some woods or just find somewhere where they can play um and just again just takes so it i could just sit and read a book while they played in the park for half an hour um maybe have one night where we have it's friday night where you have um a really easy meal we have pizza on a friday night so you know that actually once friday night hits <laughs> you don't have to cook a bottle of wine which i don't report myself and i do share it <laughs> and um um so it's sort of it's putting putting things going to a charity shop that's nothing i do go to charity shop and buy buy a new game and then bring that home and then they're all excited with that and so then they'll 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 play with that for a while so i kind of think it's somehow other in in your rhythm and it'll change as children get older but in in your weekly rhythm try and just put in something that will actually give you some time by yourselves now if you'd like to know more about the adoption process please visit cornwall.gov.uk forward slash adoption for all the latest information thanks for listening this week and please don't forget to hit that subscribe button take care and have fun